When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Siege, uh, I promise not to laugh nearly as much as I did on Monday when we were both wearing those silly costumes. We can get through this show and be serious. Yeah, I like laughter, but honestly, I was laughing at myself. Once it got to November 1st, November 2nd, and I'm seeing some of the clips that the SDPN's putting out, and we just look kind of ridiculous, man. <laughs> like We're trying to have conversations about things going on in the league. Dropping some some news and notes in there, and we're doing it wearing costumes. So this is a little more appropriate today. I wonder, I know that episode is doing really well on YouTube. I wonder how many of those people who watched that episode purely watched it just because they saw us in costume, thanks to the little preview that went out earlier. And then they're like, all right, I'm in. Like, we're upping the viewer count today because of the Batman and Homer Simpson getup. It's possible. I mean, we've set a pretty high bar now. We got to figure out what we're doing next year, man. Uh, you got a few few uh, few weeks to work on it, but uh, I think we we have to make this an annual staple of our show. Absolutely. And if next year you're we're doing this with costumes and you happen to break a trade while doing it, like that's going to make it even better. Like if you had done it in the Batman costume, I felt like you would have just been like you would have been doing your job, but also your job as the Cape Crusader that is Batman. There is a trade. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. We need to keep that going for next year. Uh, Speaking of superheroes, uh, Ryan Reynolds, who some of you guys might know as Deadpool, uh, has an interest in buying the Ottawa Senators. And if he follows through on that, it would instantly make him the coolest owner in the National Hockey League. Uh, What do you know about that story that seems to be developing? Well, you know, not a whole lot, to be honest. I mean, look, it was reported by People Magazine that that he does have interest citing sources. You know, there was an exchange with a fan on Twitter where he's he's giving the thinking emoji when when asked about becoming the senator's owner. You know, there does seem to be at least some merit to it. But, you know, what I know in general about where things are at with the senators is they're still at the stage, very early stage, I would say, of gauging interest in the team. There's not even truly a, a for sale sign up uh you know, on the franchise, but they've retained a pretty powerful sports bank um, with, with with deep ties in the industry to mergers and acquisitions of teams uh, to, to represent them. It's, you know, a pretty clear sign that the Senators do intend to at least pursue 
you know, a, a sale to see if, you know, what the valuation might be, what kind of groups might step forward. I, I would expect there'll be more than one. You know, it sounds like there's at least two local groups in Ottawa being put together. I, you know, it's not clear to me, but I don't think that this, what we're talking about with Ryan Reynolds is one of those groups. And so I guess we'll just have to see how it plays out. But yeah, I can only imagine I, I've covered numerous NHL board of governors meetings. You know, that's, that's when the owners get together every December and I can't even imagine Ryan Reynolds walking through the door when you compare him to many of his peers. Um, when you say he'd be the coolest NHL owner, I don't, I don't say this with any shade. I realize I'm very uncool myself, but I can't even like who would be second in that competition. I, I don't even know if there is a second. Yeah. I was trying to think about it before we got started today and nope. There's <laughs> no disrespect to all the other people who own uh, NHL teams, but like, I don't think of any of them as people who are, super like, i don't know i mean like okay congrats you have a lot of money that's as best as i could put it and maybe i'm being just i'm not i think i'll be disrespectful when i say that it's just all right you got a lot of money you own a team congrats well have, i don't know and look there's some good news in this story too you know part of the people magazine story is that ryan reynolds wants to keep the team in ottawa you know obviously he's a, a vancouver native originally but you know i think that that'll be what we're tracking in this story is 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 the team going to remain in the nation's capital in Canada? You know, I, I would suspect given the, the NHL's track record, and I'm not talking about the track record in the nineties. I mean, since then they, they've been very reluctant to see any teams moved. You know, there's, there's so been some advancements, I would say uh, on getting a new arena built at LeBreton flats in downtown Ottawa, which I think would be a huge breakthrough in terms of determining the, the long-term future of, of the team in that city. And so that's that's a positive. And look, Ryan Reynolds owns a, a, a soccer team over in Wales, Wrexham AFC. So, you know, he's dipped his hand here before. I think he'd be a great public face for for a team as an owner. And, uh, you know, I, I like the story. It's it's kind of nice. <clears throat> We're at a spot, you know, what's not even a full year past Eugene Melnick's death, but but that there, there does seem to be hope for the Senators, right? I mean, so many of the, the, the last few years, you know, it, it seemed like, Every, every news story about the centers was going the wrong way. Their attendance was going the wrong way. Their, their team wasn't getting much traction on the ice. You know, they've they've started to turn around the operation from a hockey standpoint. You're seeing the business pick up uh, for the Senators. And I think there is real hope now that there's going to be a way forward. You know, Eugene Melnick bought the Senators at a very distressed time back in 2003, nearly 20 years ago, when there was already concern then that they might have to be moved. And I think they're in a place today, um, you know, which he'd be happy about because it was a real treasure for him, that that organization where I think we can, we don't have to stretch our minds much to dream of a long-term future in Ottawa for for the Sens. Mentioned uh, Wrexham. Uh, I believe there's a documentary series, Welcome to Wrexham. Maybe that should be your uh, your sports movie, maybe slash documentary recommendation. I, I would love that. I actually watched, what was the one on Netflix about the sort of second or third tier team? I'm just drawing a blank on the name. Sunderland? There's Yeah, uh... Sunderland. I, I saw I saw that one. Uh, so that's that's kind of up my alley. If I'm going to, if I'm going to veer off of watching a live sport, I like to watch some access into a live sport, uh, you know, before getting to some of the more dramatic things. Yeah. Um, so a few people were actually mentioning movies like uh, 42, uh, Hustle. Um, and I think Hustle's the new one with uh, with Adam Sandler that uh, some, that uh, has a uh, Juan uh, 
too bad I forget the name of the the current Toronto Raptor who's in that movie. But that's just some of the other submissions that have been coming in. We're gonna get you to to watch James, a sports movie. James Myrtle texted me Moneyball, and I didn't look up what year that came out, but I I don't don't think that classifies as a new movie, does it? It's not that new. It's a couple years old. And finally, uh, the name is uh, Juan Hernan Gomez. That's the name I was trying to think of. But yeah, Moneyball, I guess. Moneyball would be fine. You haven't watched Moneyball? I did see Moneyball, but I feel like that's not new. Like, I was thinking, is there anything in the last two or three years? Uh, Okay, then then probably Hustle, then. Probably Hustle on Netflix with with Adam Sandler might be your... uh, It's not a documentary, but... The Myrtle also says the wrestler was great. Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, Ford versus Ferrari, I heard is a really good movie too. So, um, yeah. So, dude, you, you you're gonna get you're gonna get a movie title. We'll figure that out, and uh, you're gonna have to give us that report about what, which movie you end up settling on, and you have to tell us all about it. I can't wait for that when it comes time. I'll do it. And I should mention James Myrtle of the Athletic. He's a big movie buff, and he told me he just cringes every time we veer into movies, just because I'm so bad that it. It bothers him that I don't know the titles, like what what the movies are about and all that stuff. So thanks for listening, James. And I'm sorry for turning you off when we when we, we get into this pop culture talk. Shout out James Myrtle, man. Uh, thank you for keeping CJ's feet to the fire when it comes to movies. Anyway, uh, it's time for sports interaction. Uh, no David Bastel, so it'll be just CJ and I today. As always, 19 and over, we ask that you play responsibly and there will be a link to responsible gaming strategies in the description of this show. It's time for you can bet that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. I think I didn't mention in our our you can bet that segment. Not only are Connor McDavid and Leon Tricital near the top of the points table in the NHL, twenty two points for McDavid, twenty one for Tricital, respectively. That's forty three points combined in like ten games for those two guys. Are, are we could be seeing those two? And it's very early. But a two-horse race from the same team again, competing for the Hart Trophy. I love when stuff like that happens. So, like, if we get that, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, it's I'm it's too early for me to say that, but I, I think that just with the Hart Trophy, I just think there's so many ebbs and flows in the season. There will be a down period. You know, we saw them last year get off to hot starts, and then there's a bit of a lull and all this. But it does underscore just how ridiculous the guys are. And it's funny when you talk about duos, and I'm sure we'll get to the Leafs later in the show, and it's not even to make it just about the Leafs, but heading into the games Wednesday, I, I went through each team and, and looked at their top two scoring players. And 28 teams uh, with McDavid and Dreisaitl at the top had more points from their top two scorers than the Leafs did from Matthews and Marner, um, which I think illustrates, I would expect over time, those guys are just going to 
get back to where they're normally at and it'll be, you know, they'll move up into the top 10 and maybe even the top five again, but it does show what an advantage it is for Edmonton. And, and really they've got five scores in the top 50 uh, because they've been going so well to Vander Kane, Zach Hyman, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been a really nice start to the year for Edmonton and, and, you know, you just have that feeling that that they're going to go as far as McDavid and Drysaitel can drag them, and and we saw it last spring. I mean, before Drysaitel got injured, there was a, a series of games there where they were just it was like four points a night, five points a night. It felt like, and and they're able to do that now. I think that 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 helps them uh, get some wins, maybe when a bunch of pucks are going in in their own net. You know, they're winning seven five games and the like, and uh, I think it's going to be a pretty exciting year there because. Because those guys just there's there's no sign of slowing down or any erosion in their game. If anything, you're seeing another level, especially from McDavid, who's who's scoring now more. You know, not just uh, being a playmaker. Exactly. I can't wait to see how those guys uh, go about the rest of their seasons. Uh, yeah, I'll be how many hours away? Uh, maybe the Calgary Flames will still give them that challenge. We're going to be big into that later this year if they end up playing each other in the playoffs. There's only one more. I'm still really upset about this. There's only one more Battle of Alberta game for the rest of the regular season on December 27th. And then we have to wait for the playoffs for that to materialize, which you I think it will. You've got to choose your poison, though. you got to choose your poison. Do you like every team playing every team home and away? If the answer to that is yes, then you can't you can't have as many in division games. It's just the math doesn't work. You know what? Maybe we look at that differently if that last game was in March. If they spread out those three games, you know, better than what they did over instead of two games in the same month, and then you go through November, and then December just has that last game. But anyway. Right. I, I'm, I was going to say, I'm old enough to remember when they had the imbalance schedule where every team didn't play every team every year. And then Sidney Crosby didn't come to Western Canada for like three straight years. And so you have the best player in the sport or, or you know, one of the two with Ovechkin, you know, not visiting those markets. I mean, obviously it's that 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 kind of stinks, too. I mean, everyone's going to want to see Connor Bedard next year. And we don't know yet if he ends up in the West or the East. So it's it's a juggling act. I guess the only other solution is go to more than 82 games. And I don't know if you have any appetite for that. Yeah, we're also not that far off from the uh, from the uh, Canadian division where we saw all these teams play each other like six, seven, eight, nine times. And I think we got fed up of that pretty quickly. So I'm not asking for more like six, seven, eight games. Just spread them out accordingly. That anyway. Canadian division was a bit like eating ice cream every day. Like it was good for a little while, yeah. but eventually, eventually you got a bellyache. <laughs> or maybe a toothache or both. Anyway, uh, the Leafs, we talked about them earlier this week. Uh, they get the win over the Philadelphia Flyers last night. Does that mean we can calm down a little bit about them? Does it mean that some of the fires have been put out in Toronto right now? Like, like what's what's the read? Well, call it a 48-hour reprieve, right? Because they've got a pretty tough weekend coming up with, with Boston, the, the best team, hottest team in the league out of the gates, you know, in Toronto on Saturday night. And then 22 hours later, they play in Carolina, not even a full day between games. And, and you know, obviously the Hurricanes are a strong team as well. And so I would say we're definitely not through the fires. There's certainly the possibility with, the, you know, this is what the uneven start does. It leaves you vulnerable when you have a little setback to everyone to start freaking out again because, you know, there's not really a benefit of the doubt that's been earned. But, you know, we can only judge, you know, I can't predict what's going to happen in those games. It, it does look like that's 
a path back to where they should be. And, and I think, again, we've maybe missed what's obvious. I mean, in, in the Philadelphia game, John Tavares has a hat trick. You see two points for Austin Matthews, two points for Mitch Marner. You know, the one thing that I think can buy the Leafs time to figure out their blue line, maybe to, to the goaltending has been good, actually. I mean, of all the things yeah. that we thought that would be a problem, Ilya Samsonov has had a really strong start in the early days here for the Leafs and, and has maybe helped stabilize things a little bit more. But is, is you know, what could buy them a lot of time is their top players getting hot. And, and as I mentioned, you know, Matthews and Marner, they've not been bad, but they haven't been dominant, right? They haven't been at the level we saw for huge swaths of last season, which helped earn Austin Matthews, the Hart Trophy, the Ted Lindsay Award, and the Rocket Richard Trophy. Uh, and and Mar- Mitch Marner, a first-team right-wing all-star uh, nod. So, you know, I think those players finding another gear, you know, getting comfortable, and there's signs that it's getting there. And, you know, Matthews now has goals in three of four. Marner has a four-game point streak. That That's going to help calm a lot of waters because, you know, those those players, much like McDavid and Dreisaitl, can, you know, carry the Leafs individually pretty much to wins on certain nights when, when everything isn't going well. And so... You know, we'll see where they'll go, but it's it's clear too also what management wants to do here, Julian. They're they're not looking to make the coaching change some people in the market are crying for. They're not looking to make the big trade. I think if anything, you might see them make a smaller move. You know, there's there's some whispers this week that that Nicholas Obey Kubel, uh, his name's out there on the trade market. Uh, he was, you know, a player signed in the offseason. The Leafs have really cycled through a bunch of players in their bottom six. And, you know, they haven't found the right mix there. And and Obey Kubel has been a healthy scratch quite a bit in, in recent days. So maybe you see them make sort of a smaller tweak to their lineup, but I, I'd be surprised if there was anything bigger in, in the works, unless of course it goes totally the wrong way and they're forced to make a decision. But, you know, I think management really wants to take it day by day, let things stabilize. And I think if you're playing probabilities, you know, the odds that, that Marner and Matthews will be, as quiet as they've been, relatively speaking, early going or not high. And, and so that'll probably help calm things down and, and maybe give them a chance then to to figure out where it goes next. Because, you know, Jake Muzzin, you know, his his injury status is very unclear, um, but there is a world potentially. We'll see how long his recovery is, if he can come back this season. Maybe there's an opportunity to, to make a bigger move as we get closer to the trade deadline. What did you think, uh, keeping on the Leafs for one more point here, what did you think of John Tortorella's comments about Sheldon Keefe? There was a quote going around. I'll just read the tweet from Luke Fox, Sportsnet. Uh, you don't, you guys don't know what he's done for that team. You guys just chuck darts at him because you want some results. He's a terrific, he's a terrific coach. I hope he jams it to you all, quite honestly. But not tonight. He obviously meant, you know, not to get his team. And that's essentially what ended up happening with Sheldon Keefe getting the win. They, but what did you think of John Tortorella getting it? They, they did jam it too. They did. Uh, um, well, I got no problem with it. He's defending a player that he once coached. You know, Sheldon Keefe in in his brief time in the NHL was with the the Tampa Bay Lightning when they were kind of in their rebuild on the way to winning the 2004 Stanley Cup. Obviously, the two men have a relationship. And, and he, you know, John Tortorella speaks his mind. He knows how to command a microphone. He knows he's in Toronto. He knows what's going on. I think it's, I think it's good for him to defend his colleague, but. It doesn't change the fact that the the one short term move a team can usually make when when crisis hits is is fire a coach. I mean that's the reality, right? Like, like when things are going really bad and you feel you have to turn them around, it's it's hard to imagine you're going to trade like William Nylander in in a matter of three days if you've held on to him for years. Like like the point is is it's just easiest to change the coach. That's why it comes up. We know Kyle Dubas doesn't want to do that. I, I don't think that that's a 
a surprise or a hot take. You know, it's it's not something the organization would want to do, but you might get backed into that corner. Look, they still might. Like that's that's the thing. It's one win over Philadelphia, but they they've got a tough stretch of games ahead. Uh, with a lot of good teams, Vegas is in a Toronto next week. You know, another team that's off to a hot start already beat the Leafs this year. You know, there's there's still circumstances where this descends it back to that spot. So, you know, good for John Tortorella for defending a member of his fraternity. But let's not forget, nearly half the coaches in the league have been turned over in the last 12 months. And that's because, unfortunately, if you're in that profession, it's it's sometimes the easiest card for a team to play. Yep. So we've spent all that time on the Leafs, and you can go back to our episode on Monday uh, if you want more of the breakdowns of how we discussed them earlier this week. I want to talk. This time I didn't about... do it in a, in a dated no. Batman costume, though. Yeah, <laughs> just just a little bear on your hat. Nothing silly about that. Um, another team that's not doing so well. They're actually doing pretty bad. Oh, five and two in the last few games after a pretty great start. The Pittsburgh Penguins, they were wearing their pretty nice threads. Uh, they were first retro threads the other night, and Jason Zucker did the great Yarmir Yager salute. Uh, it did not get them a win over the Buffalo Sabres, though. What's your read on, on what's going on in Pittsburgh and why just things don't seem to be going all that well? Well, it depends. You want to be glass half full or empty. I mean, they've been building leads in some of these games, uh, including over Boston and Buffalo this week, and they've blown leads in both those games. And so I don't. It doesn't seem as though they're too far off, but obviously, like anywhere, like it's it's amazing how much pressure is in this league. Like like you look at Doug Armstrong with the St. Louis Blues coming out to meet the media to try to calm the waters when they've lost five in a row. You know, Pittsburgh had a strong start, won some games on their Western Canada trip early on in the season, and all of a sudden it's just turned on them and and they, they've they've lost their grip on things. Um, you know, Toronto, Vancouver. Go down the list. There's, you know, Minnesota, Bill Guerin had some pretty strong words about the wild and now they've seemed to turn it around. I mean, I, I think the gap between teams is largely not that big. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not sitting here and saying the Penguins are washed or this is, you know, but but they're definitely going through it. And there's no getting around that fact. You know, Mike Sullivan was pretty direct after the game in Buffalo about, you know, the status of where their team's at. And, um, you know, it's it's a veteran group that hasn't missed the playoffs in 16 years. So. Yeah, they, they know what it's going to take to get back on track, but, uh, you know, crisis is never far in the NHL. That's, that's just, that's sort of my, my highline takeaway. I mean, even, even the team in your city, I'm not, I'm not sure we're at crisis yet, but the flames had a, a tidy start and now, you know, Jonathan Huberto is getting, you know, called out a little bit in the media by Daryl Sutter. And, and it just, it, it just goes to show you that, that you're only a two or three game losing streak at times away from, the, the whole mood and, and temperament around the team changing in most places. And unfortunately for Pittsburgh, they're losing streaks a little longer than that. Yeah, not a good time for them. I, I want to mention something with Calgary, too, uh, since you brought it up. Yeah, definitely not a crisis point. I mean, yes, they should have beaten the Seattle Kraken. They did not fare all that well. Jonathan Huberto, a bit of a concern, I guess. The fact he only has one goal in as many games and it was a power play goal. He still hasn't really produced at five on five. Just still short of a crisis. Daryl Sutter did kind of call him out in the media, but like, I don't know. It's just, I, he went out of his way uh, the other day to kind of just mention how good of a player that he is. And he tried to at least take off some attention off the fact that people are looking at the fact he hasn't scored that many goals. So when he did say that he had to speed his game up, like, I didn't even really think of it as, as him being all like, you know, like angry and mean about it. I felt like right. he was just kind of like, 
yeah, like he's he probably does need to do that. But I think otherwise he's been very complimentary of his game, like ever since he got there. It was a bit of a call out, but also I feel like he's done a little bit more brutal call outs through the media, if that makes sense. Well, the one thing I think the Flames management understands is that as much as you want everything to come together in one day, when you, when you make the kind of changes they did, I mean, that it's probably a little hopeful to think it's going to be perfect right away. I mean, Jonathan Huberto spent his entire career in one city. You know, I, I know he had time to adjust to the trade. He signed the contract extension. But, like, there's there's a lot that goes into your day-to-day life as an NHL player. Like, It's not the biggest surprise that there might be a little bit of a adaptation period there that, that maybe finding the right line mates, maybe just getting comfortable, just getting a few bounces. You know, it's, it's amazing how all these things kind of go into it. And, and, you know, the flames, they, they haven't scored maybe as much as a team as you would like, you know, of late. And so I, I suppose what I'm saying is you're just trying to sort of like in Toronto, you're just trying to buy time for everyone to get going and, and be clicking at where you'd expect them to be. I, I think there's a similar dynamic in Calgary going on and, you know, I don't think that there's big picture reason to worry about Jonathan Huberto, but you know, in the, in the short term, it's, it's not come easy for him. And, and the games just keep coming and we're there asking questions and we got to write stories and have talking points. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's a rocky ride to this league. I mean, very few teams, like even as great as it's been in Boston and, and I deserve full credit for their nine and one start. I mean, the odds are they're going to hit a skid at some point or they're going to face some challenges. I just, I don't think very many teams go through a year where they don't. The one I can think of is the year Tampa Bay won 62 games or whatever they won. And then they got swept in the first round. So, I mean, go figure, you know, you're usually going to, you're usually going to encounter some bumps along the way. Absolutely. But to your point, a team that's nine and one, if they go through a skid, not saying it's acceptable, a little bit more palatable, uh, as opposed to them having like a four and five start and then they go on a skid, even for the Flames with Jonathan Uberdo, uh, like they they went up like five one at one point in terms of a, of a record. And those teams that they got to that they beat to get the five one Colorado Vegas is in there, Edmonton in Edmonton, they beat some really good teams to get to that point. So they were doing pretty well. It's just that the players also, you know, they they knew they had to clean up a few things and. Huberto and his goal scoring, you know, or lack of goal scoring as it is, was there. But the Flames at least had a good start. Well, it remains to be seen what it'll look like after this week and that road trip. But uh, at the very least, they started off well. And that kind of helped, you know, buy some time for Huberto. Now, if uh, they continue to lose, because they're on a two-game losing streak, we'll see how that changes. Anyway. And you'll be there to hold their feet to the fire, my man. Oh, yes, absolutely. Little old me in the scrums asking them questions. Uh, one more update before we get to uh, stick taps here. Uh, the World Cup of Hockey, which, uh, again, will not have team uh, North America. It's my understanding. Uh, you were trying to tell me earlier uh, there could be uh, there's some meetings going on. Bill Daly should be in a Tempere talking in Finland. Yes. With the Global Series games happening this weekend in Finland, it sounds like there will be at least an opportunity there to meet with the IIHF, the NHLPA. And, you know, I, I think. What's interesting here for me is there's there's a growing sense that maybe this tournament, you know, might not happen as scheduled for for February 2024. I, I don't expect there necessarily to be an action item. You know, I'm not going to say they're going to come out after that meeting and say it's not happening. But, you know, I think that there, there's some concern. First of all, there's not a lot of time to lock this in uh, at this point. I mean, it might sound like a lot of time, you know, 14, 15 months. But, you know, given the logistics, the TV contracts, everything that has to come together. 
to make it worth staging. Um, you know, that's an issue. And, you know, there's a political hot potato there for everybody. I mean, some European federations have, have said privately to the IIHF, they don't want to participate in a tournament if Russia is going to participate. Uh, we know the NHL doesn't necessarily want to come out and say Russia can't participate or doesn't know where the world will stand there. Maybe maybe there's been some resolution to the war in Ukraine uh, in the meantime. And, you know, I just think the combination of the, the Russia question really being unanswered and not, you know, having a clear path forward and, and you know, a lot of the, the, basically the time getting eaten away here, just there's more of a feeling that perhaps this tournament might not be able to get pulled off then. And, and, you know, some of this is a little bit beyond anyone's control, right? I mean, no one, no, no one ordered a pandemic. Uh, the NHL, like every sport or any other entity doesn't have a lot of control over what's going on geopolitically um, in Europe right now, but it does certainly have an impact on, on what the plans are. And, and, you know, it just makes me think like, is, is best on best hockey doomed? Like, it just seems like every time, you know, we, we we want to we want to see Connor McDavid you know wear a Team Canada sweater and and Austin Matthews and and all the rest of the star players in this league, you know play for the U.S. I think it could be a really Titanic time given some of the great young stars in our game who who haven't had a chance. I mean you know some of those guys as I mentioned were at played for Team North America but they haven't represented their own countries yet in a true best on best. And you know I know everyone's interest is seeing that too. It's not as though the NHL and the NHL Players Association don't want that to happen, but you know it's it just starting to to seem a little bit more skeptical that it's, it's going to, going to be able to be pulled off. And so, you know, as I say, this meeting might not produce an action item, but it might give us more of an update or a sense that it's headed in that direction. And, you know, just, just from my sources, it doesn't seem like we're in a positive spot right now when it comes to the world cup. And, you know, I, I think that's too bad. I, I, I'm, I'm well on record over the years for anyone who's paid attention. I, I love international competition. You know, some of my favorite events I've ever covered are, are the two Olympic games I was at. Uh, in Vancouver 2010 and Sochi 2014, you know, I covered seven world hockey championships earlier in my career. I, you know, I, I think that there's something unique and special about representing your country. I think it helps grow the sport to a degree because sometimes, especially when you're talking about Olympic best on best, you get people watching that wouldn't necessarily watch hockey because it's, it's on such an elevated level. And, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunately just, this is the world we live in right now. It doesn't, doesn't seem too promising for, for getting to see a Matthews, McDavid, Kachuk, all these guys, you know, representing their countries anytime soon. Which is a shame because we know a tournament with all of those guys would be incredible going at each other. I it just, and not to mention also selfishly too, I would love to one day be in a position to cover those guys in international tournaments, but it's a whole other thing. But like, I, I want to see it. It's going to look, it's going to happen. I, like there, there will be a world, I think, where you get on a pretty regular every two year stretch where it's the Olympics and then the world cup two years after that, then two years after that Olympics, like th there's, there's a path here. And I think that there is a desire. I mean, look, as we're recording this, the reason this meeting's happening in Finland is because the Columbus blue jackets and Colorado avalanche are there to play two games at, at a, a newly opened arena in Nokia arena in temporary, uh, which is, you know, temporary for, for those that aren't familiar is, is sort of the spiritual home of hockey in Finland. It's where the Finnish hockey hall of fame is located. I mean, Clearly, this is a league that understands the value of of growing internationally that I think has a desire to do that. And obviously, part of pulling that together is to have a regular World Cup slash Olympic competition. I mean, look, there's even been an invitation from Australia to have, you know, NHL preseason games there next year. And, and I know the league's looking at that. And so, you know, I, I think that the global growth will be a, 
a focal point and, and this will lead us eventually to best on best, but I'm a little bummed, quite frankly, that it just it doesn't seem fully in the cards for 2024 unless something changes here in the near future. By the way, that Australia idea, I don't know how it's going to work time-wise, but the fact that uh, it just picturing NHL games in Australia, like that would be kind of interesting. Like I kind of want to see how that works. Right. Well, look, there's a, a league there. I know it's not a high-level league, you know, you have Nathan Walker, uh, who's who's got Australian roots, who's who's played games in the NHL. I it, it makes sense to me to to want to be everywhere. I mean, as as big as the world is, it's gotten pretty small with technology and and lots of opportunity. I think to market sports in places it just wouldn't have been possible X amount of years ago. I think it, it as time goes on and everything improves. I mean. Look, it's not even weird now. Every Sunday, it feels like I wake up and turn on an NFL game at 9 a.m. Eastern time because they're playing a game in London every week. Um, you know, I, I think that all the leagues are going to want to become more global to draw on larger potential fan bases. And, and hockey is well positioned to do so. I mean, you go to you go to Finland. I've been to Finland a number of times, both on vacation and for work. And, and that's a place where, like, Finns love hockey the way Canadians do, in my opinion. It, it's... The number one sport, you know, it's Sweden. I'd say it's more of a soccer country is in terms of the priority of sports. But there's there's a huge hockey tradition there. Obviously, so many great players from Sweden. We're gonna have three Swedes going to the Hockey Hall of Fame later this month. Right now, there's four Swedes total in the Hockey Hall of Fame. They're adding three more in one weekend uh, in in ten days' time. So I mean, we we have a global sport by nature, and so yeah, it's as I. It's a, it's a harder one for me because in the past I've been critical thinking, you know, the league doesn't want to go. Now, I know that's not the case here, that everybody wants – their best interests are there to have a World Cup. It just doesn't seem like we're going to be able to, to do it anytime soon. Time will tell. We've kind of run through all the topics pretty quickly here, so it's time for us to do stick taps. Uh, Siege, do you want to start or should I start? You go first, my man. I'm going to give uh, some love to a uh, barbershop I went to the other day in Calgary called Brothers Cuts. Uh, it's more than just a barbershop. Been around since 1992. An institution. Uh, Jerome McGillan would go there and get his hair cut some, from time to time. They've had all these different actors and different uh, celebrities who have gone through. Uh, Jermaine Franklin, when he was in Calgary, uh, would go in there a lot as well. Uh, got to meet some of the staff there. They're really nice, really cool. That's why I look as fresh as I do. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, man. So I just want to shout out Brothers Guts, uh, a Calgary institution for about 30 years. And uh, stick taps to you guys for uh, being great dudes. Well, I'm going on the ice. How about a stick tap for Tage Thompson? What a week this guy's having. Man. Uh, I can't even add up all the points and goals he had, but he had a six-point game. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's on his way. Not not a hot take to say he's on his way to eventual NHL player of the week honors here, first star of the week. And uh the Buffalo Sabres been a been a pretty good story. I know we we've been shouting them out a bit, but it's cool for me to see a city that loves its team like get to fall back in love with it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's been so much there. And and Tage Thompson is one of the reasons why. I mean, he it looked for a time like he wasn't gonna develop into an impact player necessarily. You know, he was part of that trade for for Ryan O'Reilly going to, to St. Louis, and uh, he's got it all together. He's he's mojoing, Rasmus Dahlin's mojoing, and I will stick tap him for a great week and for giving the good people of Buffalo something to cheer for. Absolutely. I would feel happier for Tage Thompson getting stick taps if he wasn't killing me in fantasy this week. Not happy about that. <laughs> Them's the breaks, buddy. 
Them's the breaks indeed. Anyway, thank you all so much for tuning in for uh, today's edition of the CJ Show. We'll be back on Monday. You can get your questions in for Ask CJ. Then join the SDPN Discord, buy stuff off the SDPN store, and check out CJ's newsletter uh, with North Star Bets as well. I think that's all the housekeeping we need to do before we sign off and head towards the weekend. Yeah, I actually just put in a new order in at the SDPN store, so I got some new swag coming. Hey, I got some swag coming too. Maybe you'll get to see it on a future episode. Anyway, for Siege, I'm Julian. So long. Peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.